0: from Earth, it's Space Radio. This is Paul Sutter, and coming up, we're talking about, do you want to build a snowman? That's for you, Greg. I'm saying it just for you. (laughs) I will never do it again. Don't worry, folks. And just when you thought landing on the moon would be boring, Chinese make it interesting. And in today's Blue Shift, I'll be talking about an all-star party in the desert and seeking virtue and knowledge and of course taking listener questions about all things in the universe because that's what this show is about we record every thursday at 4 p.m eastern So call 888-581-0708 to join the conversation but first the news Hello, space fans. Welcome to Space Radio. I'm Paul Sutter, astrophysicist at Ohio State. And for the next half hour, your Agent to the Stars got an exciting show for you today on Space Radio where we talk about all the wonderful things in this wonderful big fat universe. This show lives on listener questions. We record every Thursday at 4 p.m. Eastern here in studio A of WCBE Radio Columbus. You can call 888 581 708 live or anytime and leave a voicemail. Get those calls in you can also follow along on our live streams on youtube and twitch Go to space radio and you can join the space cadets tuning in live from around the world, including, but not limited to London, UK, Lancaster, California, Vipava, Slovenia. I looked it up this time. I'm pretty sure I got the pronunciation, Orange County, California, Miss Gulch, Hungary, Virginia Beach, Virginia, Jay, Florida, Oklahoma City, Oklahoma, Cool Gray, London. And hello from Cool Gray, Columbus, Princeton, New Jersey and Reno. They are watching live right now, and they are tossing questions my way as I talk, so I should probably get to that. Seriously, folks, I've only prepped 10 minutes to show material tops, Let's so get those questions in. Before I start taking calls, I wanted to share some interesting bits of news I caught recently, and man... 2019 has barely started, and we've already got this massive one-two punch when it comes to space news. I know last week I teased this whole thing about Ultima Thule, you know, the, the exploring the outermost regions of the solar system. That's that's me mocking myself, by the way. Uh, exploring the outermost regions of the solar system, figuring out just, just what's going on, what's going on, getting our first close-up images. Well, New Horizons did the thing. The spacecraft blasted by this object the object the official designation of this object by the way is 2014 mu69 its nickname was ultimate too late but apparently i'm I, i've been living under a rock apparently the nazis had a big thing about calling you know ultimate tule stuff and so maybe we're not going to use that name because you know nazis ruin everything so Whatever, whatever we're going to call it, it's a cool object, and it's so cool. It's so cool. What I love about New Horizons is when it blasted by Pluto a few years ago, revealed images of Pluto, total surprises, total surprises. Now it rushes by 2014 MU69, total surprise. It's not one object. It's not two objects orbiting each other. It's two objects glued together. And you can literally see the seam of ice of where these two little rocks, each about 10 miles across, these icy, icy, dirty snowball things glued themselves together. They touched so, so slowly. They, they rammed into each other a long time ago, maybe four billion years ago, maybe more recently. And they didn't hit each other hard enough to actually crash and reform and totally melt and form a new object instead they just they just kissed they just kissed it's so cute so of course it looks like a snowman so everyone's calling it the snowman okay a bowling band a penguin there's there's various anthropomorphizations available So good job new horizons Only the first images are coming in. I mean, it's going to take days and weeks for all the data to stream in from the edge of the solar system. And you thought your Netflix stream was slow. Man, you should try getting images from the Kuiper belt. And then very, very quickly, huge congrats to the Chinese for landing a rover on the moon. You're like, whatever, rovers on the moon? We've been doing that since forever. We've even done it with people. They did it on the far side of the moon. They did it on the far side of the moon where they you can't have direct contact with the lander because the moon is in the way. So you have to relay information from satellites. You have to use autonomous uh, computer systems on the lander itself. They're exploring a relatively unexplored part of the moon. We've never had a lander. We've never had a lander. Anyone has ever had a lander on the far side of the moon. The far side of the moon, absolutely fascinating. Looks totally different. Like, you think you know what the moon looks like? You should see the back end of the moon. Back end of the moon is pitted and cratered and messed up. It's showing us the pretty side. The ugly side is on the back. The ugly side has a record of you know the first billion years of the formation of the solar system this is archaeology here and huge congrats to the chinese for this amazing technical achievement and of course like any major mission this is an international collaboration so there are researchers from all around the world who are leading individual instruments on that lander to explore the far side of the moon i can't wait to see what it reveals and that's the latest and greatest when it comes to space wow What a 2019, we're just off to a start here, but it's time to have a conversation. All right, we've got a caller.
1: Hey Julius, thanks for calling Space Radio. Where on earth are you? I'm in Middletown, Ohio. I can't get your program, but I can still ask the question. I I like your videos. And uh, actually I, I asked this question on the video. I saw an article you did on the holographic principle of the universe. And I swear that thing just confuses the heck out of me. It's, uh, I, I listened to some lectures by Leonard Susskind, and supposedly it's, uh, you know, we're actually a, a representation of a two-dimensional uh, universe, but I I, don't, I can't picture how the third spatial dimension can emerge from two spatial dimensions. And they give the holographic principle as a way of trying to understand it. The only problem is a hologram is actually embedded in three dimensions, so I, I still don't understand it. I was wondering if you could maybe kind of helped me wrap my head around that a little bit and try to understand what that holographic principle, what does that really mean? Do we, that we will only live in two dimensions? Is uh, a two-dimensional universe yeah. and it's projecting three dimensions? Or is that just something that is like a... Uh, more of a mathematical thing that I'm it's beyond me to understand oh
0: man man I let, feel I'll, your I'll you pain I feel your pain Julius man that is a great question because you you hear this topic come up like ooh, holographic principle ooh, quantum gravity ooh, maybe we live in two dimensions and you know our three dimensions are an illusion let me say this here are my here's my perspective even if even if, and I'll get into what holographic principle is and holographic gravity and all that. Even if that's all true, we don't live in a hologram. We don't live in two dimensions. Our universe is not really two dimensions and the three dimensions are an illusion. Just just let that melt from your mind. It doesn't need a place there. You can just move past it. You're like, if, you, if you're having an existential crisis, like, oh man, the three dimensions that I'm so used to, it's really two and I don't understand. Just let it go. Just let it go, cause it's not what it's about. It's not what it's about. Okay. <laughs> what it's about, what it's about, is a math hack, a hack in the mathematics. It's a hack in the mathematics. When mathematicians use the word hologram or holographic, what they mean is that if you have a, say, a three-dimensional thing, like an object, and it contains all sorts of information, you know, the positions of, of particles or their velocities, it's just, just a big ball of information. If you can take all that three-dimensional information and somehow encode it, in only two dimensions you can reduce the number of dimensions and still preserve all the information you don't have to toss any information out you have constructed a hologram so the hologram that you see with light with like laser beams and stuff that looks like a three-dimensional image like it looks like a little person waving back at you that's a three-dimensional thing all the information the raw information to construct that three-dimensional image is contained in just the, the phase uh, of the light, of the two light beams, the two phases. So that's two dimensions worth of information encoding three dimensions of information. It's a math hack. It's a math trick. Uh, so so where this comes in wow. with our question of, of gravity is we don't have a quantum picture of gravity. We do not understand gravity at the very smallest scales. Full stop, we don't have one. So gravity, the problem of gravity is super, super hard in our universe. Maybe, capital M, capital AB, maybe, it might be possible to reformulate the mathematics of this problem, this tricky conundrum that we can't solve in three dimensions into just two dimensions. And when you do that, there are some hints that when you do that, the problem might become a little bit easier. Not, you know, super trivial 2 plus 2, but a little bit easier. And then there, in that space, in that new language, you can solve for gravity. You can do the math. You can write down the equations. You can be a happy camper. And then when you're done, you translate back into our three-dimensional world, and you can make predictions about how gravity works. Now, this is a math trick. It doesn't necessarily mean this is how reality works. What this means is that we can develop a mathematical model for understanding gravity. We develop these kinds of mathematical models all the time, these kind of math hacks, these kind of tricks where we transform the problem into something else. We solve it there and then we transform it back. This is a very common solution in all sorts of physics problems. Did did that help
1: uh, at all? Okay. Yes, it does.
0: I can hear the uh, relief in your voice.
1: <laughs> yeah, uh, they usually they they increase the dimensions to do that. Though with string theory, in this case, they reversed it. Oh, okay.
0: Sometimes we increase, usually, sometimes we, we decrease, sometimes we stay the same. You know, we kind of play it loose.
1: Thank you so much, Paul, and uh, uh, have a good day. I-, I love your videos, by the way. They're, they're fantastic. Uh, that's what I through. really, really it's appreciate. The first time I understood a little bit about Einstein's relativity. Thank you so oh, much. Oh no All
0: right, Th- thank you so much. I really appreciate that, Julius. Thanks so much for calling. You can call if you're interested in having a conversation, having your mind. Put it ease. You can call 888 581 0708 to join the conversation, or you can join the Space Cadets over at spaceradioshow.com for the links. This is Space Radio. I am Paul Sutter, and this show is brought to you by Patreon. Go to Patreon.com PM Sutter to learn how you can support this show. And that thing is in three dimensions, not two. I'll see you after the break.
2: You'll never be as young as you are today, so don't waste another moment not attending to the most important brand in your life, U-Ink. Join me, Rhea Saturday Saturdays at 2.30 p.m. for another installment of U-Ink Live. This week, join us at the starting line of the oldest road race of Columbus with Columbus Running Company's Eric Fruth to hear how community is built from the sneaker up. That's U-Ink every Saturday at 2.30 p.m. on 90.5 WCBE.
0: Welcome back, everyone. I'm Paul Sutter, and this is Space Radio. We've got another listener question ready to go. But remember, you can join the conversation by calling 888-581-0708. You can also drop a voicemail anytime. Or you can check out spaceradioshow.com for all the links to those live streams. And on the line, we have Jesse. Hey,
2: Jesse, how are you? Where on earth are you?
0: I'm doing well. I live
2: in a small town in the mountains, Appalachian Mountains, in the northwest corner of North Carolina.
0: Nice, nice. I love the cool. northwest corner of North Carolina. It's very, very
2: pretty out oh, it's there. good. Yeah, we're kind of near the ski slopes here. Nice. And, uh, nice place. Absolutely. the yeah, are great.
0: Yes, I love it. So what's your question today? What are you curious about?
2: Well, now that we're talking about gravity, I'm thinking, is it possible that gravity really isn't an attractive force, but it's a result of dark energy pushing objects together? So the theory goes, well this is my theory anyway, mass objects tend to exclude a small portion of dark energy. And they also, you know, like the Earth and the Moon would have sort of a a little tunnel between them of an exclusion of dark energy. So the result is that the dark energy would push the two objects together. Now, is that crazy? Or I'm looking for, you know, some other theories of gravity because it's, you know, what we got now is not really completely satisfying.
0: <laughs> I can agree with you there, Jesse, that the, our current theory of gravity, which is Einstein's general relativity man, we would love to move past it, wouldn't we? I mean, it's been sitting around for a hundred years, being all high and mighty and hoity toity and, you know, answering all the questions and being exactly right in every single observation, which is beyond annoying, because we would love to prove it wrong and, and learn something new about gravity. And you're right, and before the break, I talked about how we don't understand gravity at the smallest scales. We know where general relativity breaks down, but we don't know how to move past it and that is a supreme challenge so what is gravity in our current picture of gravity in general relativity the force of gravity is is an illusion it's not really considered a force it's more of an effect of the bending of space-time in this force this force of gravity can is almost always attractive, but it can be repulsive in certain situations. And in certain situations, like when we look at the whole entire universe, we see a repulsive gravity. We see objects moving away from each other and accelerating. Galaxies themselves are separating at an accelerated rate. This is what we call dark energy. It is repulsive gravity in action. Now, we don't understand dark energy at all. We don't understand quantum gravity at all. But every single time, and I cannot emphasize that sentence enough, every single time we try to move past general relativity, we got nothing. We got nothing. We come up with all sorts of extensions and modifications and and, and, and just ways of doing gravity. And then we go out and test it and they fail the tests. We go out and look at, say, merging neutron stars, and we say, okay, if there was a different theory of gravity, there would be a different experimental result, and nope, general relativity wins. Or we look at the bending of light, and you know, if there was a different theory of gravity, then you'd get a different result, go out and test, and general relativity wins for 100 years, general relativity has been the reigning champion of gravity. It has defeated all contenders. Now, there are certainly things in our universe that we don't understand like dark matter and dark energy. These very, very large scale, these very cosmological things. But just because we don't understand that doesn't mean gravity is necessarily broken because when we try to adapt a theory of gravity, when we look out and say dark, see dark energy, and we say, okay, 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 I got this. We don't understand physics. We've been here before. Nature's trying to tell us something. Let's extend relativity. Let's extend gravity. Let's come up with a new theory of gravity that naturally includes dark energy. Once you do that, which is totally legit. Once you do that, you have to come up with other observational consequences like well, uh, how will galaxies behave Well, how will structures form? What does the early universe look like? And you must confront all the other cosmological observations that we have and you fail and you fail. There's been no satisfactory extension of gravity or modification to relativity that is able to explain all the data. And that is cool, like, yay, Einstein. But I think, you know, he's. He, his ego's big enough, we can move past already, but we don't get that, do we? And so we're working hard, we're working hard. One thing about dark energy that we do know is that it is only a cosmological thing it is only apparent at the very 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 largest scales you're not going to notice the effects of dark energy here on the earth or in the solar system or even the galaxy or even between galaxies you have to go to much much larger scales before dark energy makes itself known it is just so 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 tiny and weak thank you so much for that question Jesse I did want to get to at least one space cadet question before I have to go and we're speaking about About the largest things in the universe, these cosmological scales. And we got a question here. Pavel Nowicki asking Do we know anything about the size of the true universe beyond the observable universe? That is a really fun question. So, our universe, our observable universe, if you didn't know, is about 92 billion light years across which is large. Our universe is 13.77 billion years old, about 92 billion light years across. This is only the observable universe. This is our little patch. This is what has been revealed to us in the age of the universe because it takes time for light to travel from here to there, from A to B. And so we've only got a certain part revealed to us. There's only a certain cone, a little range of our flashlight, so to speak. Now, there's more universe past that. There are more galaxies. There's more voids. There's more clusters. There's probably more planets. There's probably a better version of this radio show going on right now in some unobserved patch of the universe. How big is that universe? Well, it's large. We're pretty sure it's at least (laughs) least 10 to the 62 times bigger than our observable patch. So, that's 10 followed by 62 zeros. Multiply that by the width of our observable universe 92 billion light years, you get a large number. That's like what 10 to the 71 light years or something. It's just large. I mean, who cares? It's large. We don't know if our universe is infinite. We do know that it is at least supremely large. Like I'm talking big McLarge huge. We live in a large universe, a very, very, very tiny patch only is has been revealed to us and will only ever be revealed to us because our universe is expanding because it's getting bigger every day the the relative size of what we can see actually shrinks with time it's actually shrinking right now our observable patch is actually getting smaller with time and if that sounds really sad and depressing too bad it's our universe Might as well love it because it's the only one we got. We're almost out of time today on Space Radio, but before we go, it's time for the blue shift. I'm Paul Sutter, and you're listening to Space Radio, and this is The Blue Shift, my opportunity to get a little bit closer to you. First, I want to tell you. got two things I want to tell you. First, I want to tell you about an all-stars party in the desert. The last weekend of June, I'm going to be in Joshua Tree National Park, which is outside of L.A. Gorgeous, beautiful dark skies. We're going to have a long weekend, and we're going to have a party. So I'm going to be there. Fraser Cain's going to be there. Pamela Gay is going to be there. Skylius is going to be there. John Michael Godier is going to be there. These are YouTubers. These are bloggers. These are podcasters. These are science communicators extraordinaire. And we're going to spend the days at the Miramonte Indian Wells Spring Resort and Inn and presumably other things. There's a pool. And, uh, It's a gorgeous resort, gorgeous resort. So we're going to spend our days there eating food, doing panel discussions, recording shows, events, all sorts of fun, fun geekery or, you know, massages. Massages are also an option if you're not into the geekery. And then every night we're going to get bused into the park. And then Oceanside Photo and Telescope is going to come out with a plethora of scopes, some big ones, too. For us to enjoy, there'll be food and drink and music out in the park with us as we're stargazing every single night. Then we come back and we crash and we do it again. And this is uh, our next major Astro Tour. You can go to astrotours.co slash allstars and look for that party you got to get your reservation in before March 1st so we can guarantee the trip. Get your reservation in. It's a very small deposit, and then we'll can we we'll figure out the rest of the money later. Just get your deposit in. And very, very quickly before I go, we recently lost in the astronomical community a major, major figure, uh, Ricardo Jacconi, who – was considered the father of X-ray astronomy. And I read an article reading about uh, his passage and his life and his legacy that was written by some colleagues and friends of his. And there was this quote in the article that just like clicked with me where they were speaking about Ricardo and they say, quote, this is from a New York Times piece, quote, Ricardo was well-versed in the classics and often spoke of being driven like Odysseus to pursue virtue and knowledge. And that quote, this idea of pursuing both virtue and knowledge, I mean, what better way to describe the ideal of a scientist? What better way to describe the ideal of a philosopher, someone who seeks virtue in their lives and seeks knowledge in their profession, seeks virtue in their profession, seeks knowledge in their lives? What a wonderful mix. What a wonderful epithet! What a wonderful concept. What a wonderful credo to live by. So I'm very sorry for the loss, but what a wonderful gift he gave us. And unfortunately, this broadcast is almost done. Thank you for joining me on this Voyage of Space Radio. Once again, I'm Paul Sutter, and this show is brought to you by the Ohio State University Department of Astronomy. Learn more at astronomy.osu.edu. This show is also brought to you by you. Visit patreon.com slash pmsutter to learn how you can keep this show going. Thanks to Greg Mobius for producing, Nancy Graziano for wrangling the Space Cadets, and Dan Michalco for being awesome, and all the fine crew at WCBE Radio for making this show possible. We record every Thursday at 4 p.m. Eastern, so you can call 888-581-0708 to join me on the air. You also catch the YouTube and Twitch live streams. Go to spaceradioshow.com for those links. And of course, thanks again, Earthlings, for listening. See you next week and remember science is for sharing end of transmission